Hello once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building for our latest edition of The Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's broadcast, we visit with BYU's defensive and offensive coordinators, Elisa Tuiaki and Jeff Grimes, as we look back at a third straight setback for the Cougs and preview BYU's first home game in four weeks as ranked Boise State rolls into Provo on the weekend. We invite your questions for the coaches. Use the hashtag CCBYU. And we'll see what comes in on social media a little later on in the show. To get things underway today, we say hello to BYU's defensive coordinator and D-line coach, Elisa Tuiaki. Coach, you good to see you again. Thanks, Greg. Good to see you. Wish it was better circumstances uh, on this Monday, but uh, another tough one uh, on the road for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. It was uh, defensively, at least, you know, uh, feel like we should have won the game. The game was on us to stop them, and, and uh, they found something on offense, and, and we didn't do a good enough job as coaches. Um, making the adjustments and the corrections that we needed and you know coming back and and uh, watching the film and looking at it it's more frustrating almost more shame and it wasn't just you know it was myself as well as the you know the coaches in the box and just um, you, you 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 always look at it later and you're like why couldn't we see that that's a simple adjustment but they did a really good job credit them for that but we've got to be better as coaches and I think that uh, that's what this one came down to is we, we just uh, we got out coached and we got to be better we haven't talked about a win on a Monday here in a little while. Probably too long a drought for you, right? It's been a month since uh, BYU's uh, been on the winning end of a game. Yeah, it has been. It's been too long, and it's uh, beginning. To, it's beginning to be uh, too familiar of a feeling, mm. you know. And and uh, we all we all know that we're better than this. Um, we've got to be better as coaches, but putting the kids in position to make plays, and we've just got to we've got to play better as a team to to, to win some games. Saturday's 27-23 loss at USF felt. Uh, Kind of like the Toledo game uh, a few weeks ago. Good start, pretty solid middle, and then just a rough finish. It was, it was. You know, we couldn't stop the run when we needed to, and uh, you know, we couldn't couldn't move the ball and get into the into the end zone when we needed to on offense. And we had a couple of blunders late uh, with special teams that just costed us and giving them short fields, uh, which which always swings the momentum, especially when you're playing away. And then all those things mounted up and just ended up costing us a game. Let's look back in a bit more depth at Saturday's game, and the things could not have started any better uh, for the BYU defense. Here were USF's first four possessions. Three and out, fumble on the first play of a drive. Three and out, three and out. USF had zero first downs till midway through the second quarter. They ran 10 plays for 20 yards over a quarter and a half. You guys were locked in early. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that the game plan going in was really well. I thought the kids were executing, and, and uh, you know, the offense was doing their thing and and uh, you know there's it's all supposed good but that that's that's kind of been the story is uh, we, we we've got to do a better job finishing right now we're not doing that and so we've got to get the get the schemes uh, tweaked the right way and the players uh, where they need to be and we've got to be better at finishing did you go in with a different approach defensively at all from the previous setup? we did you know we felt like we needed to match up uh, the the offense's fast tempo a little bit better which meant that we were going to be a little bit more aggressive in our coverages and and uh, look to take the, you know, get the ball back a little bit sooner. Uh, we felt like there may have been some times where um, staying in a conservative, conservative coverage maybe would have been icing our own offense. You know, if our offense was going fast and they're they're meant to run a lot, a lot of plays, we've got to do a better job getting the ball back instead of just keeping them on the sideline playing conservatively. And and we did. We ramped it up and and uh, think that earlier on it ended up working the way that it was it was supposed to. But. Um, on the on the other end of it, when you're getting the ball back to your offense, we've got to score. We've got to, and they know that. We all know it. Uh, they've they've got to score points, and we've got to get the ball back and being aggressive that way. 
that way uh, the, the tempo that you've, you've chosen to play uh, ends up working in your favor. USF uh, came to life midway through the second quarter. Uh, they gained only 20 yards in the first 20 minutes. Then they started putting a few big gains uh, together on, on their fifth drive. They scored their first TD on a pass that uh, may or may not have been intended for the guy that actually caught it in the end zone. How'd you see that? Yeah, it was a broken coverage on our end. Um, you know, it was just it was, it was bad eyes. I, I didn't think that the call was the, was the problem, but um, it was really the way that we might have been coaching it was the problem, and we just didn't we didn't we just didn't get guys where they needed to be. But uh, you know, it was a, a phenomenal pitch and catch. I thought if we would have kept it, you know, if if they would have uh, if we would have broken that up or made a play on it, then we're still making them earn it. We're still playing stout defense, and you know, they found something in the run game that we needed to adjust to, but. We're still making them earn it. Giving up those big plays certainly hurts you on defense, just because you don't feel like they're earning it. And and uh, I mean, it's just a pitch and catch with no defender there. Yeah. Now, now the catch was one of only seven they had on the day. They weren't going to throw. They weren't throwing it a lot. They were seven for 14 uh, with the Chaz all you picked that came later. When did you get a sense that they weren't going to really do much but try and just beat you on the ground? It was you know when we went to halftime, they had that they had that drive where they started to find a little success in the run game, and then they threw, and then they threw that pass, but. Um, when we went to halftime, we came out knowing. We said, this is what they're going to do. This is, this is what they found. Here are the adjustments that we've got to make. But, um, you know, the, uh, how our defense ended up uh, syncing up. Uh, also, also, myself as a play caller, you know, I, in my mind, I have, I have a, certain, a certain fit, a certain defensive fit in the run in certain calls. And in my mind, I saw that there was a specific call that we needed to be in. And this would get us bodies where we needed them. And uh, the bottom line is we weren't getting bodies where we needed them. Mm. And it's just error in coaching, error in seeing it during the game. And we've got to be better. And, and uh, uh, you know, that's, they just ended up taking advantage of that. And, you know, always hindsight, you look back, you're saying, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I try this? Why didn't I try this? Um, and I was maybe more stuck, right? You know, in the middle of the game, it's kind of hard. You're stuck just saying, no, this is the defense where we're going to end up getting the numbers where we need them, bodies where we need them in the run support. Um, I think if, if I would have changed it, uh, may or may not have worked, but uh, at least would have given us a different chance. And, and that's, uh, that's on me as a play caller, just having the, the confidence to do that. Um, I, was, I was more stuck in just kind of schematics of the whole thing, and we just didn't catch it. And so, um, you know, again, we all came in talking and just felt really shameful about it. Just we've got to be better coaches than this. What happened mm. just wasn't us. And, and we've got to see this, make the tweaks that we need, and, 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 and we've done it, you know, for the last four years. We just, for some reason, ended up missing it this game. USF came in as a team allowing a, a lot of sacks and a lot of TFLs, but they're not a traditional, at least not with McLeod, a traditional drop-back pocket team. So on, on one half, you say we get to this guy on the second, and then on the, on the other hand, he's not throwing it a lot to begin with. Yeah, yeah, you know, I thought the UConn game is <clears throat> is where they changed, um, and I thought they played us a lot more like they did UConn. You know, they they came into to our game with only nine reps of playing two tight ends, and uh, you know that's that's one of the deals where we have to be better at just making adjustments. But we we prepared more for eleven personnel. We we did have our game plan in for twelve personnel, but we weren't uh, we weren't synced up the way that we needed to be. And uh, they ended up playing majority of their game in 12 personnel because they found it and we just couldn't stop it. And so, you know, they did a good job of that. But they, they're, they're a different team than they were before. Against us in UConn, it was run the ball, uh, QB scrambles, quick games, you know, all those things that'll protect a, a young quarterback. And I thought they did a really good job, you know. And they didn't, they didn't throw it that much, but I don't think that that was their game plan. And, 
and uh, you know they they executed their game plan at the end of it. We didn't personnel-wise. Uh, as, yeah, I mean, did, did, did you think your guys had, um, had the right approach in terms of who they were going to throw at you that day, in terms of respecting what they had, in terms of talent? Uh, I did. I did. You know, going back and looking at it, in the middle of the game, you know, especially as the D-line coach, um, it felt like, felt like there was just a lot of uh, soft edges, felt like there were just were, were guys that weren't playing very well. Mm. And when I went back and watched film, I thought, shoot, uh, Kyrus and Bracken are men, those guys played so well, so hard, and some, and there's always going to, when you're when you're a D-lineman, there's always technique, that's kind of the correction, but those two played so well that they could have been picked as, as player of the games, but you don't like picking up D-lineman as a player of the game when you get up that much rushing, it's just, you know, I thought Isaiah did, played played well lockdown, so, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, coming in, it was really just, if I can put my finger on it, it was it was our lack of ability as a coaching staff to to make the adjustments that we needed to. And getting getting players where they needed to be, and um, you know the soft edges that ends up being blamed on a D line may or may not have been, but it all just kind of compiles when you're not getting uh, you're not getting guys to the ball, you're not getting safeties to the ball, you're not getting backers to the ball, um, and that that was the problem, that was the issue. Okay, break time right now, and a reminder about BYU football with Kalani Satake. Watch it Tuesdays at 8:30 p.m. Eastern, 5:30 p.m. Pacific on the BYU TV app, and Wednesday. Uh, we're on a special time, uh, 2 p.m. Well, that was the last week's special time. We're back at a regular time uh, this week. It'll be again at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Or with defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki straight ahead. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. McLeod picked off. Interception. BYU Chaz Ayu at the 20-yard line gets out to the 30-31. And that'll be BYU football. Chaz Ayu with his first INT of the season. And first of his career as well. We're back on the coordinator's corner with BYU defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Elisa Tuiaki. BYU coming off a 27-23 loss at South Florida on Saturday. It was a game BYU led 16-7 at halftime. In the first half, uh, USF had uh, 65 rushing yards. Second half, 178. That's the exact same second half number that... Uh, Toledo had uh, two weeks ago, that 178. Now, part of its volume, uh, USF had 12 rushes in the first half, 32 after halftime. You said they found what they liked, and they kept at it. They did. They did. They, that's, that's, that's always uh, always what a football game is, is the offense is trying a bunch of different things. And, you know, number one, if you end up playing a lot of snaps, they, they eventually find something. But number two is when they do find something, they just continue to pound it. And you've, you've got to have an answer for it. And uh, we didn't have an answer for it in this last game, and um, or the answer just wasn't good enough. And and it was a, a day two where you felt throw uh, pass game is probably not going to beat you. Yeah, you know we wanted to. If we could have stopped the run, we felt like uh, the quarterback couldn't beat a throw in it. And uh, but uh, you know it came down to it. And I don't think that they needed to throw the ball a bunch just because they were they were having success in running it, and we weren't doing a good good enough job stopping it. And and uh, we weren't the score was really stagnant. We weren't we weren't separating it. If you're if you're still bleeding a little bit in the run, but your offense is scoring, mm -hmm. it changes a little bit because now the offense their offense feels like they need to score some points and move the ball, and may or may not be doing it. You know, in five, it really it was they had one long run and then just a couple of of, of you know ten, eleven, seven, eight, nine those those type of chunks. Uh, offense may not be patient enough if they have to score a couple of uh, touchdowns. But 
um, they weren't in that situation. They just did a good job. Besides the sheer number of carries, uh, Coach, what's, that, what's maybe the main issue you're seeing with the rush defense right now? It ranks 123rd in rush yards per game, 101st in yards per carry. And that's been a strong suit for you since you've been here. BYU's always been a top 50, sometimes top 10 team against the run. Yeah, you know, that's, that's something that we've got um, to come together as a staff and figure out. And, um, you know, this, this, is, this is more about what's best for the team right now. We've got we've to figure whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's uh, you know, moving a couple of guys back around, getting some better tackles on the field, or changing a couple of schematical things, or even amping it up as, as, uh, as we have in the past uh, when we needed to, as far as just maybe different run blitzes and things like that. But uh, we've, we've got to put a little bit more um, trust in our corners to, to do their thing, as well as um, help out the run a little bit more. But I think if we, you know, the, the one thing that I, that I don't want to do we talked about it as a staff because I don't want to overreact to one thing that should have been adjusted in the game that all of a sudden now we're making five different adjustments just for one problem. I don't, I don't think that's the answer. Um, if, if we catch it in the game and we make the adjustment we need to, we're not having the conversation. So um, going back and watching on film, we're saying, okay, if this guy would have done this, if we would have taught him or schooled him up a little bit more to do this, then, then it's a dead issue. But um, you know, whatever the answer is, as far as what we go into it, this game, we've got to have a good answer because these guys are good. Yeah. Boise State is good. You mentioned corners a moment ago. You went into the USF game without one of your best defensive playmakers in Diane Gomoloku. What was the situation there uh, with him, and did you hope to have him uh, even leading up to the game? Yeah, he, he, had, a, he had a tweaked hammy, and, uh, you know, with, with hamstrings, it's always a little scary, especially at the, at the corner position because that's what those, those guys do is run. We wanted to make sure that we brought him back the right way. We didn't want him to play half of a game, end up getting tweaked again, and now he's dealing with the hammy the rest of the season. We felt like it would have been better to just sit in his game. So we, we brought him, and he was running, and he was ready uh, as far as an emergency, but we didn't feel like we needed him this game as far as coming in and, and covering, and um, thought, thought the corners did a pretty good job overall. Okay. USF was unusual in that it was another game BYU loses despite multiple takeaways and a positive day in the turnover margin. BYU plus one on, on two takeaways, but BYU didn't score after either time they got the ball. Uh, Cougs went three and out, lost yards after a fumble recovery early by Isaiah. Then they had that fumbled punt snap after the Chaz you pick, which we saw a few moments ago. Turnovers are great. Points after turnovers are better. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's key. And I, you know, um, I know the offense is, is, is working just as hard as we are to stop the run at, at uh, putting more points on the board and taking advantage of the amount of plays that we're playing and and uh, trying to trying to get the ball in the playmakers hands and all that but um, yeah I mean there certainly needs to be answers on both sides of the ball as well as just playing better on special teams I mean there's no there's no phase of, of the game that uh, wasn't part of of this that does, that stands clean I mean the the we weren't we weren't as 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 good as we have been in the past in our coverage units um, the, the turnover on the punt ended up costing us as well as far as a short field and, and uh, you know, offense needs to do their deal, defense needs to do their deal, and I think we'll be better off. But, but uh, yeah, it was just too many things that just compiled to end up, uh, you know, coming away with a loss like this. Really late in the game, after BYU uh, turned the ball over on downs inside the USF 10, your defense gave the offense one more shot to end the game in a positive way. You needed to keep USF from ending the game with a first down, and you did on that series. Yeah, and that's, you know, we almost, we almost dummied into the adjustment that we needed to make. The adjustment we needed to make was we needed to sync up the difference between our backers and our safeties. 
Um, in that situation, which is four-minute situation, we knew that they were going to run the ball, and so our safeties actually played where they should have been playing the whole time. Mm. And, um, you know, that's we, we got bodies to where the, where the bodies needed to be, and uh, I think it would have looked like that a, lo a little bit sooner in the game if we would have caught it, but, but uh, our safeties were playing too high, our backers a little bit too wide, and our D-line was getting washed at times, and those three things ended up uh, costing us in the run. But that, that, those last three plays, um, you know, it, it's, it's what it should look like. Um, D-line playing stout, backers showing up, and safeties supporting in the run on their coverage, and, and uh, I think that you can stop the run when you're doing that, but, you know, it's just a little bit too, too little too late. Uh, I want to backtrack to something here. We mentioned dying a second ago. You probably thought, this is a presumption here, that your 2019 secondary might be Gomwoloku, Wilcox, Warner, and Lee. Maybe back, you know, at the end of last year, maybe, all things considered. You had one of those guys starting for you on Saturday. Um, it's been a brutal season, has an off-season and season relative to injuries for what you thought you yeah, hoped to have. It's always interesting who ends up playing and, and uh, the guys that you're depending on and, you know, how it was last year, towards the end of last year, you're pulling guys over from scouts and trying to, trying to throw guys in and, and uh, coach them up and teach them up on what, what the expectation is and how to do things. But um, injuries always, always hurt you as a team. And uh, we've, we've just got to get the right guys on the field guys that are going to do it right um, and you know it, it's it's they, they don't put asterisks next to wins and losses depending on injuries and so yeah. we just got to find a way okay it's a tough day tough day Saturday but uh, win or lose we always recognize a player who excelled in his area of responsibility on this show and let's go to our defensive player of the game for the USF contest and you go to uh, one of your corners uh, Isaiah Heron yeah, Isaiah, was, uh, Isaiah did a really good job. Isaiah was, uh, was locked down for the most part. And, uh, you know, there, there was a ball that was thrown his direction where there was a flag thrown, a PI. And, and uh, you know, we all thought, you know, what's, what's going on? This guy needs to be playing lockdown. He's not. And it ended up being an offensive PI, which, which is credit to him for just playing with technique and confidence. And I think, though, you know, these types of games where not challenged very much, but when he is challenged, he makes a play. These, these things are, are good for building confidence in a young corner. And he's a young corner that we're gonna have to depend on um, in the near future and in the in the future years to be in a player. And I think right now he's showing to be that guy. Okay, kudos to uh, Isaiah. And then uh, Coach Lamb's not here, but he's given us his special teams players of the game, and they're both defensive players. So we'll let you take a run at this. He goes with the top block and the top rock on special teams. Top block goes to Austin Confensis, and top rock goes to Tyler Algier. Yeah, Austin, Austin Confensis has, has been phenomenal special teams player for us, and. Plays in all phases and does a really good job um, just, just with what he's asked to do and, and a great contributor and a, and a great cougar for us. Um, you know, Tyler Algier moving over from the offensive side of the ball to the defense has been, been good. He's a physical kid that, that has a, a good combination of speed and power and does a really good job running down and covering and uh, is the kind of kid that, that likes contact. He does not shy away from it and that is always the type of kid that you want to have when you're running down on kickoff and punt. So when it comes to Tyler, uh, do you think he's a linebacker to stay now? I think so. You know, I think uh, if we were to leave it up to him, I think he'd probably want to stay. He's, he's doing a really good job. Um, I think he's got a bright future, and uh, he's, got, he's got a lot of explosiveness as a, as a middle backer. I think that he's going to bring a lot to us. Do you think he'll be a good one? I do. Okay. I do. All right. From running back to linebacker. All right. As we head to break, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings, shakes to salads. JCW's quality and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, 
Provo, South Jordan now open in Harriman. Coming up Saturday, it is BYU versus Boise State from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU radio coverage begins with Cougar pregame live at 8.15 p.m. Eastern. The kick at 10.15 Eastern, 7.15 Pacific on BYU radio. Coming up next, more with Coach Elisha Tuiaki in the Coordinator's Corner. Brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. Bailey's Moving and Storage, more than just a move. Siegfried and Jensen, serving Utah families for over 25 years. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU this weekend seeks to snap a three-game losing skid with Boise State in town. The 14th-ranked Broncos, 6-0 on the season. They've won three in a row over BYU. And uh, Coach Tuiaki, they always have uh, one of the best offenses in college football. Uh, this season, no different. They, they excel in pretty much every category right now. They do. They're, they're always good. All, every, every game uh, that we've played them in the last three years that I've been here, it's, it's uh, really... They've always been pretty close, but they're they're a really good offense. They're dynamic, do a really good job with just their personnel groups, shifts and motions. Those always make things hard on the defense as well as just their explosive plays. So four guys took snaps for them on Saturday against Hawaii. The starting quarterback, the backup quarterback due to injury, the third-string quarterback who they mixed in with the second, and then a wide receiver who scored on the Wildcat, if you want to call it direct snap. So they can do a lot of different things, and they have confidence in a bunch of guys right now. Yeah, yeah they've, they've got some players that do a really good job, and, and they're, they're well coached. I think that they do a good job on offense, just coaching their guys up, and, and uh, we've got to have a good plan, and we've got to execute that plan going in this game. BYU lost it, or rather Boise lost its starting quarterback, Hank Bachmeyer, to that uh, hip injury uh, in the Hawaii game. His replacement, Chase Cord, the main guy, played well. Uh, if Bachmeyer doesn't play at BYU, and it doesn't look like he's going to, at least that's the early indication, uh, what does Cord number 10 show you primarily? You know, I, I, I thought that uh, <clears throat> um, between the two, there's just a lot of similarities. I think that they both run their offense very well. I think they're both good, good uh, accurate uh, passers. I think that they, they run the offense well, and and that's always what you'd like your your, your quarterback to do. And so, um, for us, there's there's not that big of a drop off between the two. I think that they're both good players. Okay, and there's also a third as well, Jalen Henderson, that uh, does get some looks, and he's uh, played well in limited uh, duty this season. Um, from social media, Austin Stoddard uh, asks, uh, "What are you doing to show up the run defense? We talked a bit about it already, and how is the effort to going to improve, hopefully against Boise State?" Yeah, there's you know the the answer to that is is uh, it's still in the works, but we've we've uh, talked about several issues schematically, and I think that you know we always come out of a game and and uh, uh, look at personnel and you know as far as just moving a guy here, moving a guy there, and and those swing players are always going to end up being uh, you know corner safety, safety to corner, and um, for the most part. But uh, you know figuring out whether or not we want to stay in three down or four down, I think mm -hmm. is going to be another. Another question, um, you know, moving forward, just as far as our uh, comfortability level, as well as just uh, how we're executing it and and getting the right guys on the field. What's the give and take there with three as opposed to four with you? Um, you know, the 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 front structure is a little bit different, but uh, I think four is always going to be more stout. Those the those body types are 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 made for the trenches, and and those guys are are used to it. Three sometimes you ask. Uh, maybe an outside backer like Peyton Wilgar, or we've recently moved Devin there, and so it's not as foreign for him. But sometimes you ask that guy to come up and do something that uh, he has done, but not as as uh, as well as somebody who who does it every single down. I mean, when you have 
four D linemen in the game. That's that's their deal is taking on blocks and shedding blocks and getting knocked back and those type of things. When you're a when you're a hybrid like Peyton Wilgar as well as what we've what we've made Devin, those guys need to be efficient at uh, dropping at uh, you know reading reading cover reading quarterback and mm -hmm. reading route structures and all that stuff and that. The amount of time that that takes takes away from the amount of time that they're a pass rusher as well as just a, a, a run blocker or a run stopper. And so um, it's really just putting putting somebody in there that's a little bit more familiar with the techniques than the other guy. Okay, last thing. It's been a while since BYU's played a home game. Uh, been a while since BYU's played a night game. You've had four straight afternoon kickoffs, but you'll be under the lights here Saturday night back at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Good to be home. It will be good. It will be good. I, I think we need it, but we need a, you know, more importantly than, than being at home. Well, just as importantly as being at home, we need a win. We need a win here at home against a ranked opponent, against the team that we've struggled to, to, to beat in the last three years. And I think it's very doable. Uh, we've got to get out there and execute, but we know that uh, we always get, a, you know, Boise's best shot. And Boise really just plays well every week. But right. we're going to get their best shot. We've got to give our best, and we've got to come on with a W, um, whatever it takes. You know, whatever it takes, whether it's really what it's going to take is, is uh, all three phases need to be clicking, and we need to be executing. Okay, well, good luck in the effort. Uh, we've got the bye week next week, so no show. Then you're off rotation the week after that, so we'll see you in a few weeks back here. Okay. All right, thanks, Coach. Thanks. That's Coach Elisa Tuiaki. Well, BYU takes you up to kickoff of BYU and Boise State this Saturday from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Watch Countdown to Kickoff Saturday at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, the game on ESPN2 and BYU Radio, with BYU returning, BYU TV returning for postgame coverage afterwards. Coming up next, offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes joining us in the coordinator's corner. We are live from Studio C on BYU TV back after this. Back in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Let's start our second half hour of the show as we bring in BYU's offensive coordinator, uh, Jeff Grimes. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. How you doing? All right. Uh, tough day Saturday at USF, 27-23 uh, setback. Uh, I'm going to start kind of a strange place. The weird start to the day, BYU gets a delay of game on play one. Is that like a first-time time starter at quarterback, just maybe losing track a bit of everything? or? Well, ultimately, the quarterback's got to be the one to get the ball snapped. But we took the ball too slowly, um, and we didn't address the ball quickly enough with, with the center as well. So it's not all Jaron's fault, but ultimately, the quarterback's got to get the ball snapped. Just kind of a, and yet, yet BYU recovers from first and 15 quite nicely. 11-play drive uh, you guys put together on the first drive of the game, scoring a 51-yard field goal. So after going 13 years without a field goal of 50-plus yards, BYU has two uh, this season, both courtesy of Jake Oldroyd. As much as you like Jake and as good as he's been at that, you probably prefer his PATs to his field goals at this point. Yeah, we're kicking too many field goals. We're attempting too many field goals right now. And, you know, um, as we've talked about before, last year scoring in the red zone was a real positive for us, and we, we've struggled with that this year. USF's defense, uh, pretty relentless, uh, 13 tackles for loss on the day. Now, that said, they were averaging 10. That's what they do, right? Yeah, they're an aggressive front, and they have a lot of athletic players, um, but I thought we gave them a lot of plays, too. How much of, uh, of what they did was a function of the fact that by the end of the game, you're, you're dealing with a, a revamped offensive line on the right side that day? Well, I think that it certainly didn't help us. Those, the, the guys who are starters are starters for a reason. Um, and, you know, the fact that, that we went into the game without Tristan certainly didn't help our cause. And then um, when someone else went down not having Kiefer, 
him having been out for a couple of weeks already yep. um, didn't help us either. So we were a little bit behind. Um, however, um, that's part of the game of football. And the next man up has got to be ready to play, and we've got to do a better job preparing him. You had enjoyed really good health on the O-line since you got here, though. Yeah, we have. In the offensive line, we have not had a lot of injuries. Um, but that seems to not be the case right now. Did you already know early in the week you weren't going to have Tristan? Was that a Toledo thing that popped up, a bye week thing, or what was his deal? Yeah, we knew that we weren't okay. going to have him um, after the Toledo game. Okay, and then you, uh, you end up uh, playing uh, Clark Barrington uh, to start the game there. Not a, a name a lot of folks knew. Tell us a little bit about Clark Barrington, yeah. how he won that job. Well, Clark's a, a great kid and a great competitor. Um, and, you know, from fall camp throughout the season, he's continued to work hard in practice and, and has just earned the respect of us as coaches and his teammates. Um, is not anywhere near where I believe he will be as a player after having served a mission, um, still being a young guy. I think in another year or two, you'll see a totally different player. Mm. Um, however, what he has right now that I like is grit and, um, and, and he'll battle and, and he'll be better for having had this this opportunity Saturday. Clark started at right guard. The Keanu Saliaponga was lost at right tackle in game. Um, do you get him back uh, sooner than later, or do you have any uh, idea too on early, him? Too early for me to say, yeah. So we, saw, so we saw some Thomas Schof. He goes out. We see Harris Lachance come back in. And you had to use a lot of guys on Saturday, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we did. And then, you know, it goes without saying, we were all ready without our quarterback and our, our tailback that started the season. Yep. And so those none of those things are positives, but again, injuries are part of the game of football, and um, you have to have other guys ready to go, and, and those guys have to improve, and we've got to prepare them better. And by the end of it, you end up with a third-string quarterback. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, first quarter, going back to Saturday ends, you're up 3 nothing. Possession time was 12 minutes to 3 minutes in BYU's favor. Defense did a great job getting off the field in that first 15 minutes. Yeah, they did, and we, we did a good job of, of sustaining drives there for a while. Um, so, yeah, early on things were going our, our way, which makes it even more frustrating that they didn't finish our way. It was a 10-0 lead, uh, just two plays into the second quarter, another defensive three and out. Uh, key sequence, BYU got down to the three-yard line, couldn't quite get in for six, settled for a field goal after that 12-play uh, drive. Yeah, I really felt like we were in position to score there. We had a, a quick play called and missed a block yeah. um, on a play that I believe would have been a touchdown at the very least. It would have put us on the one with another opportunity to, to call an easy play probably on second and one. Instead, we lost yardage, um, then didn't make any on the next down and distance, and then and then didn't get the job done on uh, on third and goal from the five. Yeah, the early sense was that uh, the way the defense was playing, and they were kind of lights out early, Maybe just, you know, one more touchdown instead of field goal might have been a, a difference maker on that day. Yeah, and, and we had our opportunities and, and didn't finish the job. Through six games, the BYU now has 14 drives of 10-plus plays. It is highly unusual, Jeff, that none of them have ended in the end zone. That's a long time to have the ball, and normally you get it in it with some of them, right? Yeah, and, and again, it's, um, it's a very frustrating thing for players and coaches alike. Uh, ultimately, it's our responsibility as coaches to, to put them in the position to score. You touched it earlier. The red zone touchdown percentage last year was tremendous, 69%. That was a top 25 rate. We're at 39% right now. As you break it down, what are you kind of identifying as problem areas and what, what uh, has kind of maybe precipitated the drop that way? You know, we certainly looked at it. If it, was, if it was one particular thing, it would be a little bit easier to address. But it's a combination of errors from a number of positions. On, on one particular play, it might be a guard missing his block. 
Another play, it might be that the tight end ran his route incorrectly. Another play, the quarterback didn't put his eyes in the right spot and throw it to the open receiver. On one play, the running back didn't pick up his responsibility and got the quarterback pressured. And so it's a number of different things, which, again, ultimately leads back to us doing a better job preparing as coaches. When you got to the halftime at 16-7, to good to be in the lead. Did you feel that, that the lead didn't reflect maybe the opportunity you had in that first half? Yeah, I certainly felt so. I, I certainly did. And, and the entire game, it was that way. Start to finish? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you have, I think we had 26 first downs and 430-something on offense, total offense. You have that many first downs, no turnovers, three offensive penalties. Um, you wouldn't think that you walk away with, with only that many points and a losing effort. Yeah, plus 15 minutes in possession time, 89 plays. These things all kind of were, again, atypical at relative to the end result. All right, uh, time for a break. When we come back, Coach Grimes on the tail end, perhaps of the USF game, and then we'll get his offensive player of the game from Tampa as the coordinator's corner continues here on BYU TV. Back with more right after this. Play fake. Short drop for Jaron. Goes for the end zone, looking for Milne. Dax Milne, did he haunt him with one arm? He did for touchdown! Dax Milne with a great grab! A one-handed snag, and the Cougars score to make it 9-0, PAT pending. All right, so we are back on the coordinator's corner as we visit with BYU's offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. BYU on a three-game slide right now as the Cougars host Boise State this Saturday. Let's maybe get right to that, that play. Uh, that, that, that is, that's a remarkable play by Dax Milne. Uh, Jaron put it in a good spot too, right? He did. It was a great throw, a great catch, great technique on his route, and, um, and, and it was an excellent play. Yeah, put us in, in really good position at that point in the game. Okay, one of the big questions as we start the week right now is going to be uh, who, who the Cougars will start at, at quarterback, obviously. Jaron Hall uh, leaves his first start uh, this past week late in the game in Tampa. Uh, we saw that a guy came free and just, just slammed him down. Looks like a head hit, and uh, he left the game, didn't come back. Uh, too early to say what we should expect for this week? Yeah, yeah, too early at this point. We're hopeful, um, but we'll have to see how the week progresses. That's too bad. I thought he was having a nice game um, for a first start. Uh, how would you assess it? He ended up with a passer rating of just shy of 135, ran for 83 yards, which led your team and, and showed just what makes him a special player. Yeah, he did a great job with his feet and, and for the most part, did a good job throwing the football. I thought there were um, a few opportunities that he'd like to have back in the passing game um, where maybe he took a couple of sacks and, and instead of getting rid of the ball when he could have. Uh, but there were also times where he didn't, didn't have the best of protection either. So how would you kind of uh, say for a first time start in that environment uh, Jaron uh, you know did for you overall overall a solid first start but uh, I think he's capable of much more and I think he would say the same okay uh, Baylor Romney came in to finish things out for you uh, how's how soon in the week do you expect or would you like to know what you're gonna have to do have at your disposal on on Saturday um, well certainly certainly the sooner the better um, at quarterback, it's obviously a larger factor than, than other positions, but I would say by Wednesday, we kind of need to know what our plan's going to be. Okay, so if, if Jaron Hall weren't to get on the field and you're sitting at Thursday, would it be too dicey a thing, you think, to try and ramp him up for Saturday night? Um, I think with a more experienced player, it, it, might, it might be a little bit more understandable. With a young player like him, I think that would be, that would be a tough call, but, but we haven't put any, any deadlines on, on the timetables okay. as of yet. We'll okay. work, work our way through it as the week goes. 
Every coach deals with it, and you hinted at the last segment, uh, but the offense has had a tough go personnel-wise. Before the season, you lose Hank, uh, Tui Pelotu. Tyson and Zach in the year. Jaron goes out Saturday, right side of the line was backups. Uh, late in the game, you have a Romney handing off to a Finau. You trust all these guys to one measure or another, but that said, it's been a hard first half of the season personnel. Yeah, it has. Um, but with every challenge comes an opportunity. And so each of those guys has an opportunity to, to prove why he's here at BYU and what he's capable of. Third and short had been a struggle for BYU this year, but until Saturday, that is. Uh, Cougars were 7 for 19 at converting third and three or shorter going into USF, then 7 for 7 down there in Tampa, and 55% on third downs overall. With those kinds of numbers and positive in the margin, uh, and you snap that many plays, you probably expect the win, but a lot of things you wanted to improve did improve down in Tampa. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of the numbers. If you look at the stats, you certainly wouldn't have thought that, that we lose that game. Um, but, yeah, we did. We improved certain things. I thought the quarterbacks did a nice job, both, both Baylor and Jaron, of managing third down and, and particular third and short. BYU had one giveaway on the day. It wasn't an offensive turnover because it came on a special team's snap drop, and then USF scored a touchdown just four plays later. It kind of changed the ball game at that spot, unfortunately, late in the game. Yeah, you, you, ne you never want to turn the football over, but when you turn it, turn it over in a, in a situation like that, it certainly hurts momentum. Okay. Uh, it, it, does, is it an obvious thing to say that, that if Jaron Hall makes it to the end, uh, your chances of winning that game went up, went up a, a great deal? Or how did you feel Baylor ran those last two drives where you had to have a score? Well, I think Baylor did a great job considering the position that he was in. Um, that's, a, that's a tough spot to be in, um, your first opportunity to, to play college football. And um, I like Baylor, and I think he's, he's got a bright future. Um, and I think for the most part, he, he handled the situation well. Okay. A guy like Baylor, who's the number three, but he gets elevated to number two. He was probably the number two during the week, wasn't he, or during the bye week? We gave, we gave him and Joe uh, reps uh, during, during both the bye week and a little bit last week, but, but decided that, that Baylor would be uh, the number two before the game. Okay. When a guy's the number two like that, how much, say, two-minute or red zone does a guy like that get in terms of work? Yeah, he, he gets some, but those situational things that are that are limited um, are certainly less than others. But he, he had enough opportunities that, that I think he would say he, he could have done a better job there in the in the low red zone at the end of the game. And BYU's offense got the opportunity it needed to win the game late. Uh, they, they unloaded a great punt to put you back, but then Baylor did bring you down the field and just gave you guys a look, right? Yeah, we made a couple of great plays, a couple of great throws and catches, and and put ourselves in position, and you got four shots at the end zone, and if you, if you can't get one of those, then, then you probably don't deserve to win the game. Uh, we saw Baylor uh, notably hook up uh, with brother Gunner, and I've got to think that's, that's, that's like a lifetime of kids being kids probably. That's probably a comfort level thing, right? I'm sure that. <laughs> no extra look necessarily for, for Gunner relative to being his brother, but they, are, but they are a brother act, right? I mean, this is kind of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool deal. Now, one played, uh, Baylor played his high school ball in El Paso, right? Yeah, they had, they, had, they had both been in Mexico when they were younger yeah. and, and then went to El Paso and then to Arizona. Yeah, so, so Gunner had the high school background in uh, Arizona, but uh, Baylor had uh, the El Paso connection. Can you remind our, our viewers of your El Paso connection? Yeah, so I spent seven years there. I, I went to college there, played football, where I began to hate BYU when I was playing at UTEP because they were the only team we could never beat. And then, uh, then I coached high school football there for a couple of years as well. My first, my first opportunity to to start in this profession. Which high school were you coaching at? I was at Riverside. And uh, Baylor's a Frank.
Franklin guy, apparently. Yeah, other side of town. Other side of town. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if if Baylor has to uh, play a lot or or some here on on Saturday, what more can be expected from a game one to a game two, and what makes him the guy for you right now that uh, you felt confident giving the number two two in the in the first place? Well, I think his skill set is is um, probably more similar in nature to Jaren's than Joe, and so it allows us to maintain some continuity within the offense. And then, um, secondly, he's kind of like Jaron. He's got a little bit more poise than you would anticipate, a lot of maturity for a guy his age. Um, and so if, uh, if he's the guy this week, then, then we'll, uh, we'll get him ready and expect to, to show up Saturday and beat Boise with him. A couple of redshirt freshmen you're trying to get ready between Jaron Hall last week and Baylor Romney if it goes that way this week. Yeah, the, the positive is that we have some, some good quarterbacks on our team. I've been on, on teams before where we didn't have any good quarterbacks. <laughs> and then I've been on some where we had one good quarterback, but if he went down, then it was basically the end of the season. Fortunately, we have some options. That's good. Uh, offensive player of the game from uh, down at South Florida, you went with one of your wide receivers. Yeah, and, and we had a hard time choosing between Talon and Dax because they both made a couple of great plays. Um, but ultimately, Talon, um, he graded out the best. He graded out at 96%, had four catches for 56 yards, caught, made a really big catch right there at the end. Um, a, a tough catch that a lot of guys probably don't make. Um, and, uh, and then, again, I can't say enough about this guy's grit and toughness and work ethic. Um, there is no one on our team that gives more to our offense in, um, in a role that most people don't see than what Talon does. And so, uh, his blocking uh, down the field is exceptional. So you, you allude to blocking. When you talk about a grade of 96%, that's got to be reflected in that. What goes into a player's or a wide receiver's grade in this? In yeah, so if, it, if it's a pass and, and you didn't get targeted, did you run your route properly and did you run at full speed? And um, then when the ball was thrown to someone else, did you, did you break off your route and go attempt to make a block for him? Um, if it's an RPO, when the ball is handed off or thrown to someone else, did you go block or did you stand and watch? And, and then how, how did you do on the run plays when the ball was, was clearly a run and you had the opportunity to block? And he, he's without question our most uh, physical blocker at receiver and one of our most consistent blockers on the entire team. You know about his basketball background, right? From back in the day? Yeah. Okay, he was, he was something else there, too. Yeah, I heard. Uh, extra credit for Dax Milne for the one-handed catch, by the way, or is that just, uh, do you get extra points on the grade for that? Or yeah, is that no, he, he, does, he does get extra points for that. Okay. But, uh, again, Talon's overall performance and really what he does on a week-to-week -week basis um, has really earned our respect. Excellent. All right, time again for a break. And as we step away, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, -play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment of this week's show, Coach Grimes previewing this Saturday's battle with Boise State. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. For Jake Oldroy, Farhash, good snap, solid hold, kick is on its way, and it is through for three. Jake Oldroyd's second field goal of 50-plus yards this season comes in BYU's 27-23 loss at South Florida this past Saturday. BYU still, as it turns out, oddly enough, winless in the Sunshine State. That'll change at some point. 0-8 all-time. Their next crack comes, I think, at UCF here in uh, four years. By the way, BYU's second nationally in field goals made per game. Jake's doing a good job. All right, uh, BYU trying to get its first one over Boise State here. First time in four years, at least. Uh, Broncos rolling. 14th right now, they're ranked. Coach Grimes into 6-0. They beat uh, Hawaii on the blue turf uh, this past weekend. When a game like that happens while you're flying home, 
how soon can you act before you actually get a chance to really get into uh, what Boise does after you're trying to break down your own previous game? Yeah, it kind of depends on the nature of your game. Do you have a lot of issues to address yourself, or, or are you in position to move on rather quickly? And we certainly had, had issues to address on our end. But I know this about that program because I coached there and am familiar with a lot of the, of the coaches and the culture and know a lot of guys that are on the current staff. That's a really good program. And um, much like we talked about when we were getting ready to play Washington, I think the the thumbprint is similar, and you have a program that's used to winning and expects to win. And um, much like our game last year, you know, we we made one more mistake than they did, and um, they ended up finding a way to win the game. And they do that a lot. Um, and so, I think they're 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 a program that's typically good in all phases, well coached, and and it'll be uh, a really big challenge for us. It's a heck of a game up there last year, and BYU's games up there have tended to be like that. And Zach Wilson, I think, showed just a lot of the promise that we knew knew would be exhibited. He gets you down real close there at the very end, like one play away. Yeah, gave us yeah, gave us some some of the promise and and also some of the not quite there yet. <laughs> um, but I was really really hoping that he would have the opportunity this year. Uh, to go back and and write that, and um, and I, I know he'd he'd like to have that opportunity as well, but that's not the position that we're in, so we'll move on without him. May as well ask you, since I saw him uh, in Tampa in the blue cast, he's all casted up after the uh, the hand uh, surgery. Uh, what's our prognosis here for for Zach in terms of what might be the window to get him back this year? Yeah, I I don't know that that's been fully determined yet. Um, I think it'll still be. Still be a little while for sure. Hope and for the regular season at some point late in the year? Or? I'm certainly hopeful, but, okay. but we'll have to see. Okay. Uh, BYU's been outscored 27 uh, nothing in the fourth quarter of the last two games. Are those among the issues you, you, you want to, you said, things to address, the way BYU's closing right now, finishing yeah. up? Yeah, for sure. Why we're not playing better in the red zone, why we're not playing better in, uh, in the fourth quarter. As you mentioned, um, the last couple of weeks, third downs have not been great for us, in particular third and short, and so we spent a lot of time addressing that and, and trying to find out how, how we can improve there, and so we gotta, we got to keep grinding on, on the red zone in fourth quarter. And how big of a weapon was uh, Jaron Hall for you, uh, knowing that you had on third and short the ability of a guy to go out and make a play, which is kind of what, uh, whether it's Taysom Hill or even Zach when he's had to, that's a, that's a good thing to have, knowing that that could be your option. Yeah, it certainly is. If if you don't have that as an option, then the defense wins the numbers game. They can they can say we'll outnumber you in the run game, and and a you're either going to have to just um, overpower us because we're going to outnumber you in the run and and condense the box, or you're going to have to beat man coverage and and take a throw. And typically in that situation, they'll press your receivers so you don't have an easy throw. So if you're going to throw, typically you may have to throw it down the field. And so. Um, when you have a quarterback that can run, then it evens those numbers back out. What can Baylor do if you had to use more of him that way? Good enough to make a play? Or? Yeah, for sure, for sure. He's not Jaron, um, but um, he, he can certainly make a play with his feet and, and is uh, a guy that's certainly not afraid to use his athleticism to, to run the ball. Okay, wrapping things up, 30 seconds maybe on running backs. We saw Sione Finau get his first carries as a Cougar. We saw Isupa, uh, Katoa, and Finau. Uh, McChesney, I guess, would be the fourth guy in the mix. How are those first two doing, by the way, Soup and, and Lopini, in terms of health and, and the ability to hang in there? Yeah, they're doing well. They're, they're both banged up a little bit, but, um, you know, running back is one of the most physical jobs in all of sports. <laughs> you're, 
you're the only guy who on on uh, on a lot of the plays people are trying to do bodily harm to you and um, so they're banged up but they're doing fine and Sione had done a, a great job in practice and has had a great attitude this year so we were looking forward to seeing him okay Jeff thanks for time we'll see you in a couple weeks all right after the bye week all right with that that's another edition of the coordinators corner it is in the books next week we're off for the second of BYU's two bye weeks back in two weeks with coach Grimes and special teams coordinator at Lamb. For coaches Grimes and Tuiaki today, I'm Greg Rubel. We'll see you again in two weeks right here in the Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV in Studio C. Go Cougs.